welcome. Thank you for coming today. I know when these things happen, it's always like, I think this got a little bit more optional. I have some more options now. There's snow, there's a wintry mix, there was, I think Kiana said slush. Um, so thank you for showing up. I appreciate that. Before we begin, I just want to uh, pray for us. We'll pray maybe a few times during this, but it's the first time we've been together in 2024. So I just want to pray for us, for our year. Uh, I don't know how your year has started. Maybe it's full of promise and hope. Maybe you're like killing the resolutions. You're like, this is amazing. Like I've been to the gym like every day. Like maybe not today, but I'll get there a little bit later. You know, like I don't know where you are, but I just think it's worth blessing 2024 together as we begin. So let's do that. God, thank you for this new year, this new year of promise. New year of promise, not necessarily because 2024 is marked as special in some divine way, but just because it's new. We haven't experienced it. We don't know what will come. Lord, we pray that we would partner that newness with you. Because when we partner newness with you, things change. Things can happen. You can move. Lord, would you bless each and every one of us. And I pray in particular, if there's anyone here with a heavy heart, if these first days have just been, honestly, God-awful days, Lord, would you see them, be with them, and know that they're here for a reason. You are with them, God. You are with us. In Jesus' name, amen. So as you can tell from outside, it's winter. It's winter officially. Um, back in college, I kind of joked with my friends, this is like hibernation season sometimes. So again, thank you for coming. Uh, in college, we would joke there were people we would see like right before Thanksgiving. And then like we wouldn't see them again. Like, and this was like a thing, especially for us with a little bit more melanin, it was like, okay, like we need to like see our, you know, friends because like, we're not gonna see Rashad until like April 24th. Like we just won't. Like we're like, did he transfer? Did something happen? Like, but he just like showed up again, like April 24th. And I was like, How, were you here this whole time? So like, this is a hibernation season sometimes, but I feel like there's different ways we can enter in. You know, this is a time where we can struggle with community. We can think it's optional in the winter whether that's because we are hunkering down in our apartments or houses with family, or maybe we're single, or maybe it's with our friends, just in a little unit. But I think there's so much more available to us than just kind of that hunkering down season. Like, let's be honest, winter is hard, especially here, right? We've got real things that we contend with, like seasonal affective disorder, our moods change, you know, we don't get enough light, oftentimes we're not out as much. Um, and you probably have experienced this before, but newsflash, if you don't remember, like we live in a place where air just hurts your face sometimes. Like you just go outside and air like has chosen violence against you and <laughs> against your lips, against like your elbows, like again, melanated people, it's, just, it's hard. Like you gotta get the lotion, like really. But like air has decided to fight you this winter and you are resilient, maybe until you're not, right? Uh, we've got these other things that are crazy, you know, in this region. We've got like black ice, so we just fall. And I don't know where that name came from. I mean, like, I'm a little bit offended by that sometimes. Like, couldn't it just be like ethnically ambiguous ice? But it's not, it's black ice. But there's some scary things in winter. It's not fun a lot of times. And we can wonder like, why do we have to persevere through this season? My wife, who is Puerto Rican, born and raised in Jacksonville, not here, she's taking care of our little one, our Zoe, uh, she's sick right now. Uh, she struggles with this season. 
She tries to be valiant. She tries to be brave. I will not give you the number of weeks or is it days that that like lasts, but like she tries. And like one of her methods has been like, let's call it cozy season. Let's like have hot cocoa. Let's like be together before the fire. Let's do all these things. And it, it's cute. Like it is cute. But sometimes it's, again, it's about our family getting that coziness. Is that the best that we have? I think there's more of an opportunity than just hibernation or winter pods or coziness. There's community. There's hospitality. There's warmth. And all of those things cost us something. You've all probably been here where you've invited people over or you're having a party. And all of a sudden it's an hour before and you're like, why did I do this? Like nothing is clean. Nothing is ready. It might not even taste good. And I'm feeding it to other human beings. But when we pay that cost, there can be exponential good, right? Like you open your home and then something else opens up. Friendships, relationships, people do that for you, people do that for others. Maybe it's that you, you know, got a new recipe, you watched a movie, you read a book that you passed along, like you see how community is building. I think this season can really be uh, for that. This is just a truth, I think, that warmth begets warmth. You can see how when you experience warmth, you can extend it to others. You know, Tina, uh, you'll see the name of the, the sermon series in a second, but like Tina was like, we should call it cozy. I'm like, I don't know, like when you're cozy, sometimes you just want to get cozier. You're like, I've got hot cocoa, I've got soup. I, I need a blanket. That would be perfect, right? Versus when you're by the fire, there's usually like, you want more people to come. You want more people to experience that warmth that you have, right? It, it won out, warmth won out, not, not the coziness. You know, I'm from the Midwest, and raise your hand if you're from the Midwest, or you spend a lot of time in the Midwest in your life. Okay, we got some Midwesterners here. When you're cold in the Midwest, it's not just like that's like a little bit of what's happening. Like, your life might be threatened. Like, your digits might fall. Like, it's bad. And when you come inside, you've got to get warm. Like, it, it might be life or death. But when I came inside from snow, my parents were like, okay, everything. Like, get the snow pants. Like, you've got to get warm again. Like, getting warm when you're from the Midwest, or when you're getting those negative degrees, it's serious. You can't stay cold, because you'll just be cold. You've got to get warm. When, when you're thawed out, that's when you can kind of breathe again. It's when you can extend an invitation. It's when you can build something. That's really what we're doing this season. We're asking God, God, can you make us warm again? Can you thaw us out? Can you warm us first and then help us warm others? Let's just be real. We need that. Because winter is not just a season of a few months. It can be a state of chill, of darkness, of loneliness. And there's a loneliness epidemic. Even like the Surgeon General is like, yeah, I know I've been like updating about a lot of things like RSV and COVID, but I actually need to tell you about something else, like loneliness. Literally, he said this, like it's an epidemic in our nation that people don't have people, that people don't have warm connections. And it impacts mental health. It impacts people getting isolated, even radicalized in their isolation. There's things that happen in our body chemically when we don't get people. And because we're the church, it might seem like an easy invitation for us, like a slam dunk. We're the people of God. Let's invite, let's host, let's gather people in. But let's be real. Some of us are frozen too. We have Christ or the news of Christ or interest in Christ, but we're just not getting warm and we don't know what's going on. We know that we maybe should do something or ought to do something, but instead of that making it easier, 
it actually makes it harder. We feel guilty or ashamed, or actually we don't. We're just like, I just can't do it. <laughs> nope, not this winter. Maybe that's where some of you are. I really want God to speak to us. We cannot demonstrate the hospitality we are open to or curious about unless we're warmed by God. Now, if we have a God that's shaming of us or doesn't accept us where we are, we're doomed in this effort. But that's not who our God is. Our God is actually hospitable. He knows that we need more than support. We need saving, fundamentally, at the core. We need to be saved. And sometimes this season breaks us down, so we realize that a little bit more acutely than other times. For us to host, the Lord has to host us first. For us to warm others, he has to warm us first. For us to be people of great love, he has to love us first. So we indeed are going to be warmed. It's a sermon series on God's hospitality and our own. The question is, are we ready to be warmed by God in order to feel again? And then to make our decisions with the Holy Spirit and with community about how do we go and do likewise. To warm our church, our neighbors, people that we call strangers, and then our enemies. Can we be warmed so that we then would go and do likewise to warm our church, our neighbors, those we call strangers, they're not strangers to God, and people we call enemies. That's what I'm hoping as we move forward in the series. And again, we're just going to pause to pray so we can experience some of that warmth from the Lord right now. Holy Spirit, would you send your spirit? Spirit, would you fall here right now? We thank you that your spirit comes in different ways, but one of the ways the spirit comes is like fire even a warming touch. Holy Spirit, would you light us to be flames that are warm, hot even to the touch with your love, with your goodness, with your joy. And I pray right now if there's someone that's saying, that can't be true of my life in this season, God, I thank you that it's not us doing that work. It's your Holy Spirit. And you love to work in and minister to folk that feel like, I don't have a candle right now. It can't get bigger. Well, Spirit, be their candle. Be their light. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. So if you were with us in this last season, uh, the last six months or so, we uh, have been thinking a lot about story. The big story of God and how we have a story that's worth telling. We have a story that's worth sharing. And our story is connected to God's story. We did that through a number of ways, including thinking about how the Holy Spirit impacts our story. We did that through looking at God's big story of salvation. We even ended it with the Christmas story and thinking about how that impacts us as well. Story is so important. We have something in us because God is with us. God's story lives inside of us. So we have something that we can feast off of and share. In this season, we'll be thinking a lot about hospitality. What does it mean that God is this great host and we get to receive that in order to give it away. That's what we'll cover in this series. Later we'll look at what are some of the obstacles that sometimes we feel like, well, okay, don't get too crazy. We know God's a host, but like, isn't there sin? Isn't there stuff that's wrong in me and others and that prevents hospitality? We'll talk about that. Because there's a lot of, I think, uh, 
fake news, let's say, about that. Jesus was called uh, a friend of tax collectors and sinners as an accusation from religious people. But somehow we really get confused. How can hospitality go hand in hand with a God that is holy or that cares about sin or mistakes we make or mistake others make? And then we're going to actually think about a little bit later in Lent, like, what does this hospitality mean for folks that are on the margins? How can we just not have lip service to care for folks that are marginalized or poor, but like Kiana's doing for this MLK Day, actually put it into practice and to work? Sometimes if you look at some of our political divides, you have people that say they care about something, but might not actually be doing as much as we would think. And then people who are vilifying, demonizing, but then when you look at their communities, you're like, you're actually kind of doing some good stuff. How can we really see what scripture says about not just saying the right thing about justice, but actually trying to put it into practice. I think that's all an extension of public hospitality. So hospitality, God towards us, hospitality even in awareness of sin and mistakes, and hospitality towards those on the margins. That's some of the journey we're going to have the next few months. But we'll kind of park it here, really asking for God's hospitality to be known and shown to us. Because I think if we don't get this, we don't get a lot. If we don't know God is hospitable to us, that God loves us, I think we really feel like a lot of it, the rest of it is just moral. I should do this. Kiana said this thing about people that are homeless or struggling, I feel bad. Like, that's not where we want our work to be motivated. Indeed, it's not where our work is motivated. Our work is motivated in God's creation of us. It says in the word that we're created before the beginning of time to do good works. Not out of a, a should or an ought, but out of a gifting that God gives us, a love that God wants to flow through us. So that's what we're trying to capture when we think about hospitality. It's a way of telling the big story of God. What does it mean that we have this hospitality? Now, in the Greek, hospitality is philozenos. It's the same kind of like friendship of this love of, uh, of stranger. I love that certain languages, you kind of, it's a tell for their worldview. This is, has a word for loving strangers together. I mean, I guess we have that in hospitality, but I don't think people think that's what hospitality is. I think for us, we think, oh, it's you like showing your friends, you know, or your community, or like maybe showing your wealth or showing your goods. Like this word is particularly, if there are strangers, you love them. A word that we see more in our newspapers is xenophobia. When you see people who are different, who are immigrants, who are different than you, what do you do? You fear them. That gets a little bit more play in our news cycle than hospitality understood as this the love of strangers. Here's just a way that it's used in scripture. We're actually gonna be using a lot of scripture today, so we're kind of gonna be in different places, mostly in the New Testament. Uh, Above all, maintain constant love for one another, for love covers a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaining. Like good stewards of the manifold grace of God, serve one another with whatever gift each of you has received. A lot of the scriptures we'll see today have this kind of uh, math behind it. This is what happens to you. You're served by God. So because of that, you can serve. Be hospitable. And sometimes it's funny how scripture works. Sometimes the ethical stuff, the commands come first, and then you get the goods of like, oh, but this is how I can do it later. So sometimes by the time we read the first part, we're like, how, not complaining. It's like day seven. Like how, how can, I can't do that. I've tried in this new year. But we got to wait and be patient to see how the Lord is still with us. He is giving us something. He's serving us. And we give out of that. We're going to look at uh, four different things. We'll do love today. But we're looking at love, home, family, and spirit. These are things God gives to us, but then we want to see God using us to give to others. 
God gives us love. God gave us a home in the earth. God is making us family. And God is doing that through his spirit, which he gave to us. God gives to us, and then we give to others. This is actually, like I said, a very repeated theme in Scripture. You know, in Hebrew Scripture, we see that in an exhortation like this. It's going to be, I'll read it for you. It's not going to be on the screen. It's from uh, the book of Exodus, the story of the freeing of God's people. Uh, You shall not deprive a resident alien or an orphan of justice. You shall not take a widow's garment and pledge. Remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and the Lord God redeemed you from there. Therefore, I command you to do this. God's command is relational. Because you were this, now do something else. Do something new. Matthew, the Gospel of Matthew, is something similar. And Jesus came to them and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I'm so glad that piece about authority is there, right? Like, I've been given all of it, so now go and do these things. Again, if you're a scripture reader where you tend to forget that part, like, oh my gosh, so much to do. Take note of that. There's a real invitation for you to say, can I get some of that authority? I think it might help me do some of those things. You know, even just a simple message, it's in Matthew. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick. Raise the dead. Cleanse those who have leprosy. Drive out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Freely you have received, freely give. In some ways, we could stop this whole series by just saying, what have you freely received, either lately or that you could remember? And really all that God is saying is, out of those things, give. That's why I love community. You actually don't really, and again, if God's speaking to you, if God's in your face about this, I'm the problem here. But I really think a lot of our life is we think about what God's doing in us, and then we follow through, right? God's given us something, maybe some resources financially, maybe some talent, and we just have to freely give that away. There are some things we don't know how to do. Maybe we don't know how to reach people across the world. We don't know how to talk to someone of a certain ethnicity. We don't know a lot, but that's what community is for, that we have other people in the body who do. But oftentimes I see that we freak out over what we don't know and get frustrated Instead of saying, well, I've been given something. Maybe I just have to steward what I've been given. And I do that in community, in the church. And you find out that other people have some similar giftings or similar impulses, maybe with different giftings. And that's the work of the church. You know, even our series in power, we kind of learn some of that. Like, oh, I don't know how to speak in tongues. Well, okay. Well, this person's going to teach you. And then someone received the gift of tongues, right? Or I don't know how this goes, but I'm going to learn. We're meant to minister to each other, including learn from one another. But part of what that admits, you have to admit is you don't know everything. You don't have everything. You don't. But you can give what you have, and God's pleased with that. He's not ashamed if you think it's small. That's a you thing. God's pleased with you giving away what you have. Now, are we giving things away just to our friends? No, we're not. Each time we'll think about some application. We've got to demonstrate God's hospitality outward. And we'll use these categories. We're not going to talk about each of them every week, but they'll kind of just be in the mix. Thinking about giving to church, neighbors, strangers, and enemies. I think a pretty, like, rough kind of summary of the New Testament would be that these four categories matter a lot. Sometimes, uh, I won't dunk on you all too much. I'm a pastor. We're in church. 
I just don't need to be like that today. But like, I'm surprised when we read the New Testament how much the first command, a lot of times is like, you gotta be good to people in the church. And some of us, you know, I'm a justice guy. So we can be like, man, church, like those are my friends, those are my people. Like, I'm like, I need to go to enemies, I need to do this. But I'm sobered when I look at, like, especially the epistles, the writings of the New Testament. It's like, no, do everything you can to maintain peace in the local church. Like, if you have, see a need, you've got to meet it. Like, your family to people in the church. And I've actually been, like, disciplined in this last season of my life. And I'm not doing really well, to be honest. To be like, what if I actually prioritize, like, my relationships in the church, like, almost first? And that sounds weird. Like, I don't like that in some ways. It sounds almost wrong to me. But again, when I read the scriptures, they really draw us back to, we've got to make sure the church is okay. We've got to make sure people in the church are okay. Are they eating well? Are our rents, you know, paid? Are, are, are we being family together? We've got to do that. Because sometimes there's spots where there's weaknesses. And we just lose people. So what does it mean to love people well in the church? Knowing that love looks like giving and generosity, but it also looks like courage and, and, and being uh, not rough with each other, but speaking the truth in love. And then there's some more familiar categories. Jesus saying, love your neighbors. Or Jesus ministering to people in the public square. And you see that he's engaging so much with strangers. You know, you look at the healing stories. I think the far minority of those stories are people he knows. Like Peter's mother-in-law or Lazarus. Like so many of them are just people he just met that day. And then there's also the command to love your enemies, right? So we're going to be thinking about these categories. When we're given something, are we giving it away to this swath? Not just our own personal friends or clique. But we're not going to rush all the way into application. Because many of us, like I said, might still be frozen. We know we have love to give, a lot of it actually. But we're asking God to thaw us. And not only is that okay, it's humble. It's childlike. It's bold in the best of ways. And today for the rest of our time, we're going to talk about love. We need to be soaked, saturated, covered, poured out with love the love of God. We need to experience it again and again and again. And to help us experience God's love, I want to give us a song, a warning, and a charge. A song, a warning, and a charge. God loves us so we can give away his love. It's one of the reasons why we see God's love is so lavish on us. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 1, it says, See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God, and that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. There's this lavishing, this extravagant nature, that we're not just servants of God. We're not just friends of God. We're not just subjects of God, but we're also family. We're children. But sometimes we don't feel full of that love or fully connected to what it means that God is our loving parent. Like, one of my uh, favorite scriptures is this one. I don't know how I kind of came into this, but it's this like, kind of funny one in Psalm 87. It says, as they make music, they will sing, all my fountains are in you. Maybe it's I got that image in prayer for other people or for people of God that for me, but I just love that image of thinking about like, the source of my life, like the, the, the things that are giving me energy, all my fountains are in you. And I love it mostly because it works the way I think that scripture really can get in our lives. It, it can show me what ought to be, that all my fountains ought to be in the Lord. But it also does this kind of sobering work that reveals they're not, though. All my fountains are not in the love of God. 
and I can tell. I sense my fear, that fount, my waywardness, my lust, my distraction, my busyness. Those waters don't flow the same way. The founts aren't as beautiful, but I do feel them. And they draw me away from others. They draw me away from the love of God. All my founts aren't in the love of God. They're actually kind of being borrowed or are used by these other things that are, are feigning this good, good love. God might have first loved me, but sometimes it feels like that love is bouncing off of me. Like I'm either doing something, or sometimes I even am someone that just, it almost like repels. I don't think that's ultimately true, but it's what I can feel like sometimes when I'm getting caught up in something that's not God's love and not God's best for me. One time uh, at a Vineyard National Conference, Jay Pathak, the national director, he gave a simple word, and it was directly most, mostly to ministry leaders. And he said this, if you aren't feeling the love of God lately, I just want you to actually go back to the last time you felt the love of God. Now, maybe for you that's a week. Maybe it's a month. Maybe it's 10 years or longer. And I want to challenge you to go back and just do the same thing you did in that season. He kind of mentioned some things that made people laugh. I don't know how we are in this room, but for some people you remember, like, just worshiping God and clocks weren't involved. You just, like, sang, and then you're like, oh, shoot, it's this time. For some of you, you were journaling, and then you realize, like, oh, like, I'm, I finished the journal. Like, how did I do that? Like, I had a 20-page journaling session. For some of you, just walking in nature and just getting lost in God's goodness or talking with a friend and realizing that it felt like there was, like, almost like an angelic presence with you. Like, it just felt like a holy conversation. I don't know exactly what it feels like for you to be visited by the love of God. But sometimes we have to acknowledge that we haven't felt that lately. And he's kind of calling that out in the room, saying, do you feel your burdens more than the love of God? Do you feel your worry more than the love of God? Do you feel your sin more than the love of God? Just a reminder, God cares about our sin, but I don't think he like, feels that more than his love for us. That one might mess you up a little bit, but I think that's true. I think he feels his love for us more than our sin. And he directed us to go back to those practices, times you felt soaked in God's love. And I would challenge you a little bit out of that. What's God doing there? Is there something that is part of God's story that, like, for you comes up when you think about those times? Maybe even scripture you were in or a word God was saying. Can you let that word go deeper into you? Maybe there are ways that you need to actually find out in this season. I don't know if it can be like the last season, but could you be on an adventure or a journey to exper experiment with and also experience the love of God? Maybe it's just asking every day, God, I want to experience your love today. And I'm not going to give up. I'm going to be persistent. And if something is blocking you, what if you made that other people's problems? Hey, I'm part of a home group. Y'all need to help me. I'm experiencing this block. Can you pray about that for me? Josh said that like, the love of God is real. He said I could feel it. Can you like find out what's going on? Investigating actually is a really good spiritual practice. Like why aren't you feeling it in the same way? And it's not that it's all about an emotional feeling, but I think when we're connected to God's love, it gives us a centeredness and a peace that relieves us of other things that have been holding us down. I needed that in that season 
when I heard that word. And I feel it, it awakened something in me that was just this real zealousness to protect that. This childlike joy. This sense of how God loves me. He loves all of us, but God loves me, y'all. And he loves you too. I feel like even this time that I was away, I, I needed this time to just be in the love of God without pressure to perform, without deadlines to answer to, without feeling like I'm not enough, but just feeling God's love on a walk, on a hike, with Zoe, with Joy, with Tina, with my Bible, with God. I feel like I was just overwhelmed by very simple things. You know, sometimes when you're having a certain kind of day with God where a song comes on, you're like, oh, why am I so emotional? And you realize you've created some space to feel something other than your anxiety. That's some of what I needed to do. Not everyone can get time off. And I think if that's all the time that you're experiencing the love of God, something's going wrong. <laughs> like if for me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to feel the love of God next year. That is bad. Please, like intervene. Like that would not be a good thing. Even if you're only experiencing like the love of God on your Sabbath. Like I get it. That's, only, that's once a week. But like we need regular time. And I want to invite us to do something a little bit silly. But there's this great scripture. I told you I have a lot of scriptures, some that are on screen, some not. But it's in Zephaniah. And it just says, the Lord is rejoicing over you with singing. And I think sometimes we just need to let God sing over us. Let God have a moment with us. In this, I'm giving us an invitation to actually let God sing a lullaby to us. That he can even sing us to sleep. And I want to play a song. Uh... It was like strangely meaningful uh, for me uh, in this time away. I don't know how it came up on my Spotify, uh, but some of you know it, uh, and it's so cheesy. I hate doing this, but this is just how the Lord is with me. Like, if you've seen the movie Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, anyone can raise a hand. There's this end scene where there's a lullaby that's played, and it's by Rihanna. Not a Christian artist, if you're wondering, but Rihanna. Um, and the song's called Lift Me Up. I actually just want to play it for us and have us settle down into whatever happens. Now, one thing I'll say about this song that was interesting to me is, if you remember, this is one of the first like, kind of big movies that came after sort of the lockdowns kind of were opening up and more people were going to the movies with a little bit less fear. And I just remember thinking, man, I don't know what the Lord is doing with this song, but I think the Lord's doing something. Because the scene is about someone that hasn't been able to grieve particularly the death of the main character, and unfortunately, that main character was also the actor, uh, uh, Chadwick Boseman. And I just felt like so much grief was encapsulated in that. And as I watched it, I didn't cry. I was like, ooh, I think that's what the effect was, but I'm actually still too, like, hurt. Not really because of the movie, to be honest. And in some ways, just to be, like, candid, like, not even the actor, but stuff was going on in my life. Stuff was going on in all of our lives. Like, we just experienced COVID-19. But I was like, I think this song is going to do some work later on. And I feel like this song kind of caught me in this month. I was like, ooh. I mean, Rihanna's okay, but like this song, though. Because it's a song that is about being held. And about letting God hold you like a child. Singing to God and letting God sing over you. So I just want to play it for us. It's going to be a lo-fi way. I got my Spotify out. I'll put the mic to it. Don't worry. I'll try to do it okay. And I want to pray as we do that. Oh my gosh. 
like, this is the nightmare scenario that I didn't even see coming, is that Tina is listening to this right now. <laughs> but she'll know, I hope. Otherwise, it's going to be very funny. I love a shared Spotify account for the jokes I can play on Tina until now. <laughs> One second. <laughs> I won't tell you what song you'll listen to if I don't do this right. Some of you will know. So, Holy Spirit, whether this works or not, um, I pray for you to be with us, God, as we hear a lullaby, hopefully the right song, and that you administer your grace and your kindness to us. Take something that's simple, that was created, hopefully to be a blessing, and use it, and get us in the habit of just leaning in and listening to you, God. Whether it's a worship song, whether it's a song on the radio, whether it's just the sound of nature, help us listen to you, God. Because you're with us.
Spirit of God, hold us. We plead with you to hold us. And we thank you, God, that you do, that it's your joy. two lies I want to speak to before moving on. We're going to have more time to pray, but I just feel like the Lord's highlighting these. Some of us feel like we aren't worthy of being held. Some of us have even had people speak that directly to us. It's just not true. We speak against those voices. And for some of us, it's been an internal voice that we haven't held ourselves with care or compassion, but with scrutiny and anxiety and relentless pressure. And part of that song just has this sense of maternal, paternal holding. It's no pressure, it's just gift. And for some of you, the Lord wants to minister to you even right now. Would you just be held? Could this be a year where you're just held, a life where you're held? And could every good thing that comes from your life be you being held that way? And as much time as you need to take on your Sabbath to get that into you, as much time you need to take on a lunch break at work, on a week retreat or whatever you can muster up to get that, do it. It's worth everything. To know his holding of you is where the good stuff comes from. Nothing less than that. Amen. I'm going to move through the rest very quickly. I feel like the Lord has some more for us to do. Again, this is where our love can flow. Jesus has this great quote that again starts with kind of some roughness and then ends with such gift. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be great children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Then we get that same relational move. Be merciful just as he is merciful. He shows us mercy for us to then give mercy to others. There's a truth I want to speak to you very quickly, and then I'll do one more point, and then we'll go to prayer. It's that you have more love to give. You do. And you have more love to receive. Like, I've been very excited for this part, even though I knew it was going to be short, to, like, say to ECV, like, you have more love to give. Because it's true. Every Sunday I'm here, I feel the love of God well up. And I think we all feel it too. I mean, St. Clair's excited about that. But there's, there's more love for us. And sometimes we equate that with more work. Oh, no, here we go. More ministry, oh, here we go. And I will tell you two opportunities. I, you know, I'm me, so I will. But it's more than just doing more work. There's just simply more. And I feel like one of like the best secrets of ECB is we all feel that. And it's just a question of how do we get that out in a way that still works with our lives? Or maybe better yet, our lives won't work, but we're more dependent on God. And somehow that makes things work. There's more love for us to give and to receive 
That's our, our second thing. That's the warning. There's more love for you to give. We've got to receive mercy to give it. We've got to be warm to give it away. We've got to be filled by the Spirit to pour out. You know, ways we're doing that this year. There's some ways we're trying to be intentional to say, if that's true, let's position ourselves. Remember, I was deciding where to live uh, after I got married. And some people were like, oh my gosh, you live on Kensington Street. I was like, I just know God told me to love my neighbors, and I don't know how to love my neighbors here. And so like, I think I'm going to make it easier just by living here, right? Like, that was literally my, I was like, I need to love my neighbors, and I also want to love folks that live on a street like Kensington. I think it'll be easier for me if I just live here. Like, I was being lazy for Jesus, right? How can we position ourselves to get kingdom wins? That's some of what the best of ministry should be. So there's more love for us to give. And I think we have to find out what that means for us. Part of what we'll do as a church is we're doing Alpha. We're trying to share intentionally like, what the big story of God is for people who are going to know Jesus at the end of that and for people who won't. But it'll be dignified and felt like, wow, you actually told me the big story. Think about how many people are in our lives are like, will they tell me today? Like anything about their faith? Like what they did yesterday on Sunday? Oh, nope, not again. Versus like just hearing, oh, here's what they believe. Cool, I'm not that at all. But at least I know now. I'm not sure if Kayla mentioned this in her mention, but we're going to, during Lent, think a little bit more intentionally about our ministry with the poor. Like we had a ministry called Agape that we loved. It was a Sunday morning ministry for the homeless. And during COVID, it just really uh, shut down, like as so many justice ministries did and service ministries. We're trying to think together, how can we do that as a church? One of the words I've got in my life that's so foundational for me is when you're with the poor, when you're with those that are marginalized, when you're with those that you can see as less than but actually aren't at all, you're safe because you're closer to me. We need that protection again as a church to be with folks that Jesus is with way more than we are. And we're going to lean into hard conversations in our church community about the kind of community we gather. We're going to do that around multi-ethnicity, around sexuality, around tough topics, because we need to do family work together. That's some of what we're leaning into. When we're filled, we can more easily fill others. We can say, God, we need this because this stuff is going to be hard. But beyond the ministry, I really do feel like there's more love for you to give. And part of your invitation this week is to think about that. Last thing is just let love move in and let it invite others over. Just one scripture I'm going to read here is John 1. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. We saw the glory with our own eyes, the one-of-a-kind glory, like father, like son, generous inside and out, true from start to finish. There's a way that we can see Love moving into our world, our life, and hopefully it moves out into our worlds too. Love came into the neighborhood. We just celebrated that in Advent. And the question is, is it going to come to our neighborhoods too? And there's this great verse, John 3, 16, that God did this so we would see his love, see his salvation. Quick story, and then we'll wrap up with prayer. Uh, there is a, a person I was working with. I was working at Dwight Hall, uh, which is a service for uh, public service and social justice. And this uh, colleague of mine was from a different religion. She was Muslim. And she heard about our, our church, and she asked me a strange question. She said, can I come? And I was like, I mean, I think the answer is, like, definitely yes. Like, we didn't have this, like, in our bylaws at the time. Like, no one was giving a protocol. But she's like, yeah, I'm, I'm Muslim, but can I come? I was like, I think the answer was like, of course. And she experienced so much welcome and so much hospitality. And I don't think that was from me. I think it was the Holy Spirit welcomed her in here. Sometimes we think that there's people or, or a situation where we don't know how to share love, don't know how to minister. Can we let God do the heavy lifting of so much of this? 
I, I love talking with her one day. She was joking. She's like, yeah, I mean, I'm talking to my mom. And she's like, oh, my gosh, you're going to a church. Like, you know you're Muslim, right? And, like, we laughed about it. I mean, like, what if I became a Christian? Like, that would be crazy. But, like, I'm really excited for today. Like, what are we learning? I'll be, I'm like, what? Like, but that's her role to, like, navigate those conversations. I can just be with her. I remember one time she was sick, and, and we prayed for her about uh, uh, kind of a procedure that was going on. And, and she was physically healed in such an obvious way that her doctor, the way that we prayed, the doctor was like, it feels like this thing, like this happened to it. And we like prayed something like that. I, I don't even know, I mean, you, there are doctors, nurses in the room. I prayed something like, I just pray that this like, thing would be water as opposed to something bad. And like the doctor said, it's like, there's just like liquid. Like, there's nothing bad. And she was really worried it was going to be something cancerous. Like God does the heavy lifting of that. How does that make sense in faith? Well, I think part of it is like God loves everyone, right? And God wants to do good to everyone. We can call on his name. And I think she was doing that work. But what if you this year took some of your barriers about how God's love reaches everyone that might, you might be more, you know, kind of preoccupied with, and just said, no, just invite people to the love of God, figuring out as they venture together. So let's review our invitations and we'll have a time of prayer. Let God sing you a lullaby. Doesn't have to be Rihanna. Honestly, maybe some songs it shouldn't be, but like, let God sing you a lullaby. Settle into an awareness that there's more love for you to give. Let love move in and let it invite others over. Let love do the work. You're just inviting. Let love do the heavy lifting. I'm going to have the worship team come up. I'm just going to listen to the spirit of love invite us further in. I think God's already up to stuff in the room. We have some people who have been listening. And one of them will come up and share a few more words. But I'm excited. You know, it's the first service of 2024. We're focusing on the love of God. I just want to invite us to stand. All of us, if that's okay. Get in whatever posture is comfortable for you. I'm going to pray the love of God over us. But as I was praying before, um, I felt like there was a, a real particular group that the Lord wanted to highlight. I feel like some of you, the word is worn. Like you've done this love thing and actually you've done it in a costly way. My thought is in the last six to 12 months. And you feel like your love muscles are worn muscles. And I feel like the Lord wanted to say, what if I could bless those? And those muscles could experience some healing. And what if I could tell you, good job, well done, my son, my daughter, my faithful servant. What if I could just encourage you again? And if that's you, I just want you to extend your hands out like you're receiving a gift. If you want to do that, even if it's not you, that's totally fine. But I just feel like for some of you, there's a way that this has been work to love. And even opening up your palms is another act of work. Really? What if I have to love again? I feel like the Lord's saying, you will, you get to, and I will love you. I will love you through it. I will heal you. And so I want to pray right now. Holy Spirit, would you fall on this room? For those that have felt worn with loving, would you bless them, God, and minister healing to them and hope to them? Tell them good job. Tell them that their love, it wasn't in vain. There was goodness. There was gift. There's so much that you did through it, God. And if someone can't believe that, I just pray, God, that you would help convince them through your love. And I feel like some of you, 
there's actually an openness you feel, and you're surprised yourself. You're like, what? Am I really signing up to love more? I just bless that. And if that's you, I just want you to feel that. I just want some of you to have a yes right now. A yes the first Sunday of January is a great thing. To say, yes, Holy Spirit. I don't know what this means. I'm not sure what this will cost me, but I say yes to you. Again or for the first time. Give them some insight, God. Give them some clues about what life will look like. But more than any of that, just bless them, God, because they want to do your work. And I just pray an invitation. We're going to have uh, Michelle come up in a second. But it's if there's something practical you need, you're like, actually, would, I kind of need this to love. I don't know if it's a financial thing, if it's like health in your own body. It's not like you're bargaining with God, but you're just like, this would really help if I'm actually trying to help others. I just felt like led to grab someone and pray about that today. The Lord wants to bless you so you can bless others more fully.